We kicked off this series in week one and we spoke about if we want to receive the fresh air, we've got to have an attitude of gratitude. And, uh, and that week I really felt in my heart and I still feel it on my heart today that I felt to challenge the church to give a thanksgiving offering. And, uh, and I just believe that many of us, look, who's thankful to God for what he's done in our life and what he's going to do? And, and so many times we're waiting for God to do something before we're thankful, but it's faith to thank God even before the breakthrough happens. And I just felt to encourage the church through the month of February, and many people have given to this, is to be able to give a thanksgiving offering um, above your tithes, or for some people it was to actually start tithing, to start honoring God in the area of your finance so you can receive the fresh air that God has. So if, if, if you want to be part of that, you can still be part of that. We're not going to talk about it after this week because February's this is the last Sunday in February. But be a part of it. And as you do that, we're resourcing the church to keep doing what it can do. Keep being the hands and feet of Jesus and keeps the gospel getting out there, the good news to the world that so desperately needs it. But you know what the funny thing is? On that week, we talked about gratitude. I started off this series by telling everybody to breathe in and to breathe out. And, uh, and in doing that, that week I actually got COVID on that Tuesday from someone breathed on me. And uh, <laughs> so we're not going to do that anymore. No one's breathing anymore. You can just keep your breath to yourself. But uh, uh, it was, I'm, still, I'm still saved. I survived uh, COVID. But, uh, and then you know what the funny thing is? In week two, James come up here and he preached about fresh air. And then he texted me on Tuesday and said, I've tested positive as well. So, uh, and then Mel preached last week and... Uh, She's the only sanctified one amongst us. She was fine. She didn't get it at all. But, uh, you know, it's just a way of life at the moment. People are going to get it. People won't get it. It's nothing to be, we shouldn't be fearful of it. Um, God is much bigger than it. And, um, and I tell you what, I didn't get it because I'm not right with God. Trust me, I'm right with God. And, uh, but um, I think if we did a census of who's had it, probably most people's hands would go up. But we won't do that because everyone will start moving away from everybody. But, uh it's all good. But we're just going to continue praying over that situation too because I know that I'm believing and I'm going to believe that we're on the other side of it, but there's still a consequence to the, the choices that were made over the last few years that are going to affect the next few years. But um, I'm just believing that God's going to restore in a supernatural way. And I believe in your life, God's going to restore things in supernatural ways in Jesus' name. But, but you know, as I've thought over the last few years, this, this season of isolation, this season of unknown, it hasn't necessarily pulled the best out of many people. Now, for some people, they've taken the opportunity to pull down leadership and, to, and become real, and for some people, they've become very paranoid. For some people in this season, they've become very angry. It's like, I'm just angry. Why are you angry? I'm just angry. And, uh, and I just think this season has pulled not necessarily the best out of humanity. But obviously, there's a flip side to it as well. There has some, some people have really risen up and shone, and have shone bright in this season and I believe that we're one of those churches that we are shining bright you know we're, we've we've got people that are that are still committed to the cause of Jesus Christ and uh and I'm just believing our best days are still yet ahead of us and we're going to continue to build in Jesus name amen because last time I checked there's still a lot of people that don't know Jesus there's still a lot of people that are living in hurt and pain and need the gospel to be able to do a work in their life and uh and we've got plenty of work to do church but for some people, they become critical and fearful. So it's almost like there's been this challenge over the, the last few years to either be the best version of you or the worst version of you. And, and I think in our life, we always come to crossroads where we've got to choose, are we going to be the bigger person or are we going to be um, 
someone that takes the low road. And I think for, for us as the people of God, we've got to always choose to be the bigger person, to be the, the best version of us, not the worst version of us. Have we got any big people in the house today? James has been struggling for a little while, but we're praying that he'll rise up in Jesus' name. He told me to say it. I thought it was really mean, but he goes, you can give that a crack. And I go, all right, we'll try it. But I love, who loves James? Him and his wife are doing a fantastic job. Great pastors. Come give them a hand. We'll honor them. And, and I tell you what, when it comes to, to pastors, we've got the best pastoral team. You want them in your corner. They've been praying for you, believing you know, the best for your life. So make sure you keep talking to your small group leaders, life group leaders and pastors, because I tell you what, they're people that you want to stay connected to, because they will help you to become the bigger person. Because as I said, we can get so tempted to be the less of us when we're going to be the best of us. And there's that constant fight going on. I don't know about you, have you realized that anything good in life is sort of like a struggle to be able to get it? Like fitness, you've got to struggle to get fit. You've got to struggle for so many types of things. And so many times we think because there's a struggle, it mustn't be what God has for us. But it's in the struggle that God does his best work. And I want to speak for a few moments that in the struggle, we can still receive the fresh air that God has for us. Come on, let's fight to be the better version of us, the God person, the person who God has called us to be. This struggle is very real. If we've got Christ in our life, there is a struggle going on between the, the sinful um, nature, the sin nature, and the spiritual man or woman, within, a spiritual person within us. And it says this in Galatians 5, verse 16 and 7, talking about this, this struggle. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us the desires um, that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Then it says this, these two forces are consistently fighting each other. So we are not free to carry out your good intentions. So it's saying us as believers, we've got this constant fight within us to be the better person or the worst person and I think that we see and you can look at different examples of where even in your own life where you've decided to you know follow the sinful nature and become the less the lesser version of you and you know I bet you in that moment it felt awesome when you wanted to react and respond and 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 and, and act out that sinful, it would have felt awesome when you first did it but then as you thought about it and you saw the consequence of it, you realized it wasn't the best option. And you can see in your life where there's been times where you've, you've allowed the Spirit of God to, to lead you in God's way and you became the better person. In that moment, it was tough. But later on, when you look, you go, I'm so thankful that I chose that road because it was such a benefit to my life and the people around us. So what we've got to realize as believers, there's this struggle going on between the flesh and the Spirit of God. But whatever you feed in your life becomes bigger, becomes the more dominant thing in your life. So if you're feeding the sinful nature, that's going to become greater. But if you're feeding the Spirit of God within your life, you're reading the Word of God and you're applying it to your life, that becomes bigger and helps you to make the right decisions in life. And if you want to become the best version of you, you're going to be led by the Holy Spirit doing things God's way. Now, not everybody has this struggle. It's only those that have Christ in their life. Because if you don't have Christ in your life, you're, you're just doing whatever you feel. And you can see that there's, there's people in, in, in this world that let us do whatever they want, whatever they feel like doing, they just do whatever they want to say, they just say. But what they don't realize is that they're creating a world that they don't want to live in. 
and the end result isn't very desirable because they're choosing to be the lesser version of them rather than the God version of them, which is a benefit to them and the people around them. So let's give us some examples of, of, of um, this conflict that can happen in a practical way. Who, who's got social media? Have we got any Facebook people? Any Instagram people? Any tick, TikTokers? Is that what it is? TikTok? I don't know, whatever there is out these. Twitter's completely gone now, is it? No one cares about Twitter anymore. But when you're on social media, I know that most people are on social media. I think it's something like 95% of people uh, are on social media. You can scroll through and you can come across somebody that says something that's opposite to your belief system that you find offensive. And straight away you're thinking, well, I'm going to tell this person what I think. That, that they've got to be corrected in this matter. And, and, and you're getting yourself so worked up and you're going to react in a way that's actually probably more swinging towards the worse version of you rather than the better side of you. Because I think it, in a practical sense like that, many times when it comes to social media, people choose to be the worst version rather than the best version. We're going to choose to speak faith and we've got to realize just because you disagree with somebody, you don't have to let them know. And you know what? You don't actually even have to follow them. You can unfollow them and just move on with your life. Oh, but they need to know. They don't need to know. You know, and you keep living the life that God has for you. You keep being fruitful. You keep being the best version of you, and you be the example and bring the difference in this world instead of choosing the lower version. There's a social media way. There's also another situation where people talk smack about you. Can you even say that? Or people talk right. Has anyone ever had anybody say something bad about them? No one. Jeez, how good's that? Got a good life in here. But there's been seasons in my life where people have said things about me. They've they've questioned my intentions on things, and they've tried to um, bring my character into question. But you know what I decided to do in those? I didn't have to react or even respond to those people that said that. I just choose to stand my ground, live by conviction and lived a life that God's called me to live because time is always the best test and time is always the good revealer. So, and I think Jesus was the great example of this as well. When he was being crucified and they were throwing allegations at him, he just said nothing because he didn't want to lower himself. He wanted to be who he was called to be and didn't have to justify to people why he was doing what he was doing, but he was living for the applause of heaven. He was living to bring redemption to all humanity and I think that's what we've got to understand in our life. Come on, don't think that you need to take the lesser version of you to justify yourself. Just be the best version of you. Be the bigger person. Preaching to three people, but I'll get to the rest of us in a moment. But I think if we're all honest, we can find in our life when we come to a crossroad, where we come to conflict, we're always tempted to be the worst version of us. It's following the sinful nature. But if we want to be the church, that's the city on the hill, that's the lighthouse to the community, we've got to choose to be the best version of us, the God version. We don't need to chase and try to put out different fires and things like that. We just need to be the fire that's shining bright, that consumes the sinful things of this world and shines the light of God by our good deeds and by our love we have for one another. But what you've got to understand is that the struggle... As I said at the beginning, it's good for us. Now, let me just give us a little bit of theology around sin. Now, sin, there's, you can almost look at it like there's three elements. There's the penalty of sin, there's the presence of sin, and there is the practice of sin. Now, Jesus, once and for all, paid the price for the penalty of sin. 
that he took our sins upon the cross. He dealt with it once and for all. We don't need to deal with the penalty of sin anymore because Jesus did that. Through grace, through our faith by grace, by grace through faith, we have received forgiveness of sins. That price has been paid for by Jesus. The presence of sin, well, when Jesus takes us home, he will take us out of the presence of sin. We live in a sinful world, but nothing comes our way that we can't handle. God will take us at the right time out of the presence of sin. So the two things God sorted, the presence of sin, he will sort out, and the penalty of sin. But the practice of sin, he's left for us through the struggle of being disciplined by the Holy Spirit to be able to overcome. See, we always have that sinful nature that we're struggling with. Are we going to practice sin or are we going to practice living a life of, of the Holy Spirit? There's that struggle there called the practice of sin, and it's there to make us bigger and better. And as I said before, nothing comes our way that we can't handle throughout the power of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to understand that it's through that practice of sin, of overcoming that, of not kneeling down to being the worst version of us, but the better version, that God does His best work. He develops us through that struggle. I think many of us go, why couldn't he have dealt with the third one too? Because he left it there because he wants to use it for good to make you bigger and better. Through the struggle, he'll sharpen you up. Through the struggle, he'll make you more usable to make a difference in this dark world. But what I find in life is that many people in the struggle get weary. They get battle weary, they get tired, they get sick of being the better person. And you know what happens when people get weary in the struggle? They begin to lose their creativity. They begin to have thoughts of this isn't worth it and they're going to give up. They forget who their enemy is and instead of, instead of coming against the, prince, the princes of darkness, they come against people and they get all confused when they're tired. But can I encourage us, let's be people that in the, in the, uh, in the struggle to be the bigger person, let's not get weary. Let's allow the fresh air of God to continue to blow into our spirits that brings life and wholeness. Because what does it say in Galatians 6 verse 9? Let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, you'll reap a harvest of blessing if you do not give up. So what is it? Let's not stop struggling to be the best version of us. Because on the other side of our struggle is a harvest of blessing. The thing that you're believing for, who you want to become, is on the other side of the struggle. Keep pushing through. Keep being the best version of you. Keep allowing God to lead your life and watch the harvest of blessing that comes in. Come on, as a church, we can sit around and go, oh, how long's COVID season going to go for? I'm thankful that the restrictions are off and I can see your face, by the way. But we can get so caught up in all this stuff that's going on and we can get weary, but let's not get weary in doing good. Gathering together. Worshipping God, being the light in this world for the glory of God. I've got to keep on believing. Do you, do you still believe that God can do the impossible? I mean, you're still living by faith? Because what it seems like when people get weary, they stop believing. They lower God to their situation, what they can just see. But come on, let's not grow weary in doing good, which is keep living by faith. Come on, we, it's not a reality yet, but I'm going to keep believing it. I'm going to keep holding on to it until it becomes a reality in my life. And I want to go through for a few moments today a story about Jacob. Now, Jacob was somebody in the beginning who chose to be the worst version of him, and he deceived his brother to take the birthright, and he did the wrong thing. But now we find ourselves in Genesis 32, where now he wants to be the best version of him, and he's struggling with God to become that best version. 
And I want to go through and just read and just pull a couple of scriptures out. Then I want to give us a couple of points on how we can receive the fresh air in the struggle. Then we're going to give people an opportunity to come to know Christ. And we're going to see people come to know Jesus. Then we're going to go out and have a coffee and food and, uh, and encourage someone. Amen. So during the night, Jacob got up and took his two wives and his two servant wives. That is a lot of wives. That's why there's a lot of pressure probably in his life right there. And that just one wife's enough. Amen for that in Jesus' name. After taking them to the other side, he went over, he sent over all his possessions. Verse 24, this left Jacob all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until dawn began to break. As we keep reading through, we realize that who he's wrestling here is with God. And so what he sees is that all these possessions, everything that he has, all these relationships, all on the other side of the, of the river. And he's now all alone in his camp. And what you've got to understand, the struggle that you have to be the best version, you've got to do it alone. You might go, what do you mean all alone? Nobody else can struggle for you for you to be a better person. You need to get here it's saying it's you and God. You've got to work it out with God. You've got to struggle with God until you get that breakthrough in your life. We've got to get rid of that mindset of, oh, if they only did this, if they could do that, well then, well then I could. No, my heart, my responsibility. And what you've got to realize, if you want to be the best version of you, you've got to do it alone between you and God, working it out. And here it says that it was all night he was struggling with God, trying to get the breakthrough. I don't know about you, but in my life, there's been nights where I've just struggled, me and God struggling all night. God, I just need you to shift something here. God, I just need you to, to bring a breakthrough here. And, and you know what? Most, not every Saturday night, most Saturday nights I have my worst sleep. And the reason why, sometimes I'm really excited about church. And then other times I've had a week where it just feels like my heart isn't right. And I'm struggling with God to get my heart right. So when I preach, I'm preaching a word of faith, not out of reaction to a situation. And so there's always this wrestle. How do I become the bigger person? And it usually happens at night because at night everything's quiet and then your mind starts to go. But you know what? It's those wrestles that are going to bring great benefit into your life. And so here we see that Jacob's wrestling with God alone. He's taking responsibility for his life and he's saying, I need something to shift. I need something to change in my life. Verse 25, when the man saw that he would not win, the match he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket how good would that we had a prayer meeting and God came and pulled our hips out of our sockets in Jesus name then the man said let me go for the dawn is breaking but Jacob said I will not let go unless you bless me so there was a struggle between not living in blessing or where he was to where he wanted to be and he's saying to God, I'm not letting go until something changes. I'm not letting go of this struggle until I enter into that harvest of blessing. And he was wrestling with God and he was persistent and he was consistent in the direction of what he wanted for his life. And what you've got to understand, if you want to be somebody that overcomes the struggle, if you want to be somebody that receives the fresh air of God, you've got to choose to be consistent. Oh, well, I prayed once. Well, keep praying. I read my Bible once. Well, keep reading your Bible. Oh, I stepped out in faith once. Well, keep stepping out in faith. Realize it's about consistency. Keep showing up. Keep doing the right thing. 
And as you do that, you realize you'll get on the other side of it and you're overcome and you're living in the field or the harvest of blessing that God has for you. So he had this determination. Come, what are you determined about? Determined to become the best version of you or just to fit in or just to get by in life? Come on, let's get consistent. Let's be determined to be the best version, the God version, the people who God's called us to be, not giving up. And as we keep doing that, the fresh air comes into our life. Verse 27, what is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob. The man told him, from now on you will be called Israel because you have fought with God and with man and have won. Now changing his name wasn't just saying, well, I've just changed your name just because I've changed your name. This was symbolic of a changed life. He's saying, you used to be called Jacob, which was deceiver, the worst version of you. Now I'm changing your name to Israel, which means you wrestled with man and God and you won. Or some versions say that you wrestled with God and overcame. I think for all of us, we've got to continue to choose not to live out the Jacob life, the less of us. If your name's Jacob, I'm not being mean to you right now. Still love you. Into the Israel, the I struggled, but then I overcome. I struggled to be who I am today, but I overcome with God. I overcame that situation. We've got to allow God to change our life, not just add God to our life. Because a lot of people come to, to church and they, they give their life to Christ, but they don't make Jesus the center. They just add Jesus to the life they're already living and they get frustrated because they're like, why isn't God doing anything in my life? Well, God can only do something in your life when you make him the center. When you make him the center and everything revolves around him, not just making him part of your life. That's a truly changed life. When you give your life to Jesus and say, you are my Lord, you are my Savior, I surrender my life completely to you. As you do that, you receive a new identity. You step out of being the worst version of you, the sinful person, into the forgiven, grace-filled, spirit-led person, which is the better version of you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to leave, lead a church of people that have Jesus as part of their life. I want to leave one where... Jesus is the center. You know what? Our job would be a lot easier too if Jesus was the center of many people's lives. But let's keep struggling to keep him in the center. I know for some this word might be a bit confronting. But I'm preaching this to you because I believe there's a better version of you and you want to live that better version. And you're struggling sometimes to be that best version, the better dad, the God dad, or the, the godly mother, or, or whatever it may be. And you're getting weary in that. Don't go weary. You'll get it wrong. You'll make mistakes, but you repent from that, and you allow God to do a mighty work in your life. We always pray for revival. Oh, God, send revival, which means to, to restore, revive something that was dead. There will never be revival in your life personally and there'll never be revival in our church corporately unless there's repentance. Which means turning from my ways and walking into the revival and the freshness that God has. Don't be scared to repent. If you get it wrong, turn from it. Repent and allow revival to come into your life. And so here we see Jacob, he, 
His name was changed. His life was changed because he wrestled with God and he overcame. Then it says in verse 29, please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. In that place of being all alone, in that place of his struggle, God blessed him right there. Oh God, take me out of this. No, God can bless you where you are right now if you choose to struggle to be the best person. Oh God, I need to go to another church or I need to go to another family. No, God can bless you where, you're right, where you are right now if you choose to struggle with God to become the better version of you. Be close to home. Blessed him there. Jacob named that place Penal, which means face of God. For he said, I have seen God's I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. The sun was rising and Jacob left Penal and he, and he limped because of the injury to his hip. Which means he wrestled with God and he overcame. God blessed him there and he left that place walking differently. When you encounter God, when you struggle to be the best version of you, when Jesus is the center of your life, you walk differently. You don't walk like you used to walk before. You don't walk down the road that's the lesser version of you. You walk on the higher road, which is the, the God version of you. Come on, we need a church full of people that walk differently to this world. When people offend them, they forgive. Come on, when people have been stingy, they're generous. Come on, there are people that outwalk and outwork the plans of God for their life. They walk differently. I remember uh, as a young person, there was a group of people that were, it was like the, the cool people, and they, and they always walked around with a bit of a, a bop. They're just like, it's like they've got a limp and they just walk around like this. And, and you just think, what? and usually their pants are hanging right down here and all that sort of stuff. And, they, and, they walk, and by their walk, you knew who they were, what type of group they were from. And I believe it's the same with us as the people of God. As we walk with our shoulders back, as we walk with boldness and confidence, knowing that our God is working in all things, come and we walk differently. Oh, but I don't feel like walking differently. I don't feel like God's working in it all. Well, you know what? If you feel like it or not, He's working in it all. Come on, put your shoulders back, walk with confidence, knowing that He's working in all things and what the devil meant to harm you, God can turn around for good in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Come on, be the better version. Let's walk around a bit different. If there's nothing different about you than the world, maybe God isn't doing something in your life. Maybe you're not doing it right. Because when you know Christ, people notice. So how can we in this struggle of being the best version of us, how can we continually receive the fresh air and not grow weary? Let us give us a couple of things in the minus two minutes that I have left with you today. <laughs> Jeez, the clock goes so quick. That's all right, we've got a little bit of time. And if you leave before I finish... James, sort him out, please. Sort him out. Nice. The first thing we've got to do is realize we've got to, we've got to know who's watching us. Know who's watching you. Have you noticed that when you go to the gym and you're... I used to go to the gym. My membership expired, but whatever it may be. When you go to the gym, you can be working out and you can start to struggle. And then if you're there with a friend and you know that they're watching you, you know that in the struggle, that, that, that's the musicians as well. They're not walking out, just so you know that. I was going to get James, go get them. No. <clears throat> but in the struggle, when, when someone's watching you, it makes you push that little bit harder. 
Because you don't want to like, you, you know who's there and you, gotta, like, you don't want to look like a wimp, so you push that little bit more. Have you ever experienced, is it just me? I don't know, maybe it's just me. What are you going to realize to this life of faith? We have people that are watching us, that are cheering us on. And what is it? And these are the people that are cheering us on. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has, has set before us. So this, this the, the, the picture that they're painting, that we're all living this life, we're on the field. And here it's saying there's this big coliseum, there's this big amphitheater of people that have gone before us who have done great things for God. This stadium is full of winners. And it's saying that these people are watching us and cheering us on so that we can live the life that God's called us to live. When you feel like you're all alone, you feel like, well, am I the only person that's choosing to be the bigger person? Realize that there's a stadium full of people that have gone before you that are cheering you on saying, keep being the bigger person. Keep out walking the, the plans that God has for your life. You can do it and you will make a difference as you keep doing that. So know who's cheering you on. The second thing, we've got to gather and we've got to encourage. As a church, it's so, it's so good that we're here, that we're gathered together. But let's make sure we encourage one another. In Scripture, it tells us to encourage, to think of ways to motivate one another to love and good deeds. It tells us not to neglect the gathering of the saints, but to gather together and to encourage one another, especially now that this, the, the, the day of Jesus is, is coming soon. You've got to realize that Jesus is coming back. He's coming soon. And you know, all the signs are saying that He could be coming very soon. So let's keep living a life to encourage one another, bringing fresh air into people's lives so that they can live the life that God's called them to live. Turn your struggles into prayers. Prayer is powerful. Celebrate the little things. When you have a little success, when you get the little breakthrough, when you chose to be the bigger person in that situation, stop and celebrate it. Because what you celebrate, you'll repeat. Keep celebrating the good things in your life. And the last thing is this, prophesy. Can we all stand for a few moments? This, this point, I, I, I believe, is something that we can put into place into practice even right now. We are all called to prophesy. A prophet is somebody that sees something that isn't yet and speaks it into existence. Now, I understand there's the office of prophets, there's the fivefold ministry, and, and we have prophets come through this platform from time to time, and, and that's the Sunday where everybody comes with their bright colored shirts, so you get a word, but we know that. But it's good to have people that are prophets that can speak like that. But we're all called to prophesy, which is to speak things into existence. Proverbs says that we have the power of life and death in our tongue. Parents, you have the power to speak life or death. We've got to learn to prophesy. If we want the fresh air of God to blow into our life in the midst of the struggles, prophesy. Well, I don't know what to prophesy. You know what? The Bible is full of promises. Now, if one of these promises is not a reality in your life yet, 
you get that Bible verse and you speak it out and you prophesy it over your situation until it becomes a reality. It's a discipline to be able to do that. So when your kids are going crazy and your household feels like they're all away from God, you get that scripture it says in Joshua, where it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And what is it? It might not be a reality yet, but you're prophesying it. No, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we've got to find the Scripture. Find the Scripture to prophesy, to breathe fresh air. If we're going to keep believing, if we're going to keep living this life of faith, we've got to prophesy, we've got to speak it into existence. Oh, the church. COVID's destroyed the church. Well, what are you prophesying? I like to prophesy that God's doing His finest work. That's in the struggle that He's defining, that He's refining, that He's building the church the way that He wants it to be built. I've got so many scriptures here that I want to read, but I'm out of time. But I want to encourage you. If you're struggling with fear, remember what it says in 2 Timothy, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. Oh, but I'm so fearful. I don't know what's going to take place. I don't know what's going to go on. We'll prophesy. Well, I fear fearful. We'll prophesy. God has not given me this spirit, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. My mind's going crazy. No, I've got a sound mind in Christ. Any thought that's not of His needs to become obedient to Christ. Prophesy, prophesy. Matthew 19 verse 26 says, With God, all things are possible. And I think we've lost our wonder as a church. And for people, we've lost our wonder. We think think that, can God do this? God can do the impossible. He can do exceedingly abundantly what we can hope, think, or imagine. How are we living our life? If we want to receive fresh air, if we want to be the people that bring fresh air, let's prophesy. You go through today, and if there's an area in your life where you're just needing God to show up and bring life, you go and just, even if you don't know this, go Google. If it's healing, Google all the scriptures about healing. If it's financial breakthrough, you Google all the verses about all that, and you write them out. Put them on your toilet door if you need to, wherever you spend most of your time during the day. And just read them out and prophesy over them. Keep believing it. Oh, but I've tried before. Keep trying. Don't grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you'll reap that harvest of blessing if you do not give up. Keep prophesying. Keep believing it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God, we just thank you that you're a miracle worker. God, we thank you that nothing is impossible for you. We thank you that you're a God that cares for us, that cares about the details of our life. And Lord, we just pray in the struggle of being the better version of us, that your Holy Spirit would continue just to breathe fresh life into us. We know there's been people that have gone before us that are cheering us on in the grandstand of heaven, saying, come on, rise up men, rise up women, make a difference for the glory of God. God, help us to be the church that you've called us to be. Help us to be the husbands or the the, the wives or the children that you've called us to be, Father God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be the best version. 